What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom Fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Okay, so usually at this time in the message, I get up here and I tell you something kind of wacky story or silly story, and you learn something about your pastor, uh, like that he's a serial connoisseur or like his favorite TV shows or something stupid like that. Um, today, I'm going to let you in another um, side of that that you didn't know about me and that um, I used to be in prison. Um, and I know some of what some of y'all are thinking, yeah, me too, pastor, me too. Um, not that type of physical prison, but because um, uh, but uh, pastors do have a past, you know. It's just it's that thing. But um, for me, it wasn't a physical prison that I had been in, but it was a spiritual and emotional prison that I lived in for a very a long time. Um, it was one in which it had different walls in my prison cell. Um, emotionally and, and spiritually. And, and one of those walls that were present in my life that I needed God to kick down, as we just sang about, that I needed him to kick down, was the expectations I placed on other people. Um, that, that was a wall for me. And uh, it was one among many walls in my life that God needed to kick down. And and it, it was one in which brick by brick, uh, my expectations on other people isolated me from them. I, I began to get lonely. I, I guess the ni- that's the nice way to say it. The harder way to say it, it was I was judgmental and I had a judgmental spirit. I, I knew how to pick out what was wrong in everybody else's life. And as I gleaned through the, the hole in my prison cell, I saw all the insects crawling in theirs and didn't realize my house was infested. My prison cell had roaches all in it, and um, I needed God to, to break that down in my life. It, it was something that isolated me from people. I, I felt so lonely, and I, I felt in, in such a way that I was angry, and, and I, I resented the people I led, and I resented the people who led me because nobody was ever good enough. And what God had to break through and how he began to break that through in my life is by showing me his mercy in my life. Brick by brick, he showed me how flawed and how sinful I was, and it was that that began to break down the walls, and I began to, when my heart was more pure and loving towards people after I saw his mercy in my life. Um, and I, but nobody knew about this. N- nobody knew that I was living in this prison where I was angry and upset um, and, and resentful towards so many people because um, I, I had played a part in Hansel and Gretel in fifth grade. And so I knew how to play the part, you know? I knew how to put on the face. I knew how to smile and act like everything was okay. When I, that person I just talked with, but then I'm walking away and I'm just so frustrated and angry. And it was a prison that I dwelled in. And, and I think maybe, maybe you, didn't, you haven't lived on that prison cell block, but maybe you lived on the next one over. And it was one in which you didn't have mercy on other people. It was difficult for you to be merciful. And what we realize while we're busy picking out everybody else's issues and, and judging others for their sins, what we realize is our heart too has been contaminated. And I want to talk to you today in our next step in this series called Attitude 
adjustment with a message entitled Two-Sided Prison. Because God wants to to use us to bring freedom and to show his mercy and and bring purity and light into the world, but we can't do that if we're imprisoned ourselves. And so we've been in this series looking at the Beatitudes, and today our, our two verses are, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, or they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. These two verses will kind of be the foundation for where we go today, but as I was praying on where God might lead me in this series or in this particular text, I couldn't stop thinking about the the life of Joseph in the Bible. It's a powerful story that the scriptures give us like 13 chapters or, or 12 or 13 chapters on his life. It's a significant amount of time. They give more attention to his life, like specifically the, the trajectory of his life, than they even do Abraham's. So it's, it's pretty significant um, what we see there. And for those of you that are not familiar with the story, and for all of you who don't want to hear me read the next 12 chapters, everybody said Amen. I'm going to summarize and encourage you to go and read it with this backdrop of what we were just looking at here. Right? So there was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That was the three generations that God had called and was choosing. He was going to bless the nations through them. It would be passed down. And Jacob had 12 sons. Um, he, was late. he would wrestle with God for this blessing. He wanted the blessing to be passed down to him. Uh, Even though things were always good, he he, he prayed that God would bring that blessing upon him and his family too. And then he he finally has these 12 sons, and and the youngest is is a boy named Joseph. And and Joseph is the one with the technicolor shirt, right? He's the one uh, with the very colorful coat uh, because he was the youngest. And we know those babies are spoiled, aren't they? They just seem to get everything. Anybody still jealous of their youngest sibling? Um, Right? They just get everything. And, and so his, his brothers got really jealous of him because the scripture says that Jacob loved him more than the others. He didn't tell anybody, but, but they, they could tell that they, he loved him the most. And they just started devising and plotting in their head like, hey, let's kill him. Let's kill him. That's, what, that's the response for jealousy is let's kill him. And um, one of them speaks up, thank God, and, and he says, guys, that's crazy. Like, why would we do that? We could sell him and make money. And, that, and so they, um, they end up soaking, they steal his, his garment, his, his coat, and they soak it in blood and convince their father that their son Joseph has been mauled by a wild animal. And, and uh, they sell him into slavery to a man named Potiphar, who's from Egypt, and he's the captain of Pharaoh's guard. He's high up in the the military sells him to this man. And, and, and so Joseph, at 17 years old, becomes a slave in a foreign land to a, a foreign people. And he lives this life, and he's, he's doing his best to, to just kind of work through it. And, and then Potiphar's wife starts making moves on him, making advances. And Joseph's like, there's no way I'm touching you with a 10-foot pole. And she keeps pressing on, and she falsely accuses him of impropriety. He gets thrown into prison. And he lives several years in prison. But God's not done with him. God showed favor. And when he got thrown into the prison, God actually raised him up to be the warden of the prison. <laughs> right? And, and after that, God would use his gifts and bring him all the, like, uh, all the way up to second in command in all of Egypt. A Hebrew boy, born as a slave, uh, you know, 
just cast off by his siblings, betrayed by his family, and God raises him up to second in command for all of an entire country, right? And so he gets to this position, it's Pharaoh, and then it's Joseph. And things are awesome for like seven years. Things are really well for Joseph. Like started at the bottom, now he's at the top. Like things are well on the outside, but the inside of Joseph, there's still something going on, right? Like you don't easily get over being sold into slavery at 17 years old and your family and your brothers betraying. You don't get over that easy. So here, decades later, he's, he's fine on the outside, but on the inside, he's in a prison, He's, he's actually left the physical prison, and now he's just living in the emotional prison. But it's not just his story that continues on there. It's the story of his brothers. It's a two-sided prison because they, too, were in this prison. They were in this prison of living in their sin and living in a place in which they were living a lie. And then we finally get to, the long story short, a famine will come into the land and everybody will just be living, like going to just survive. They're just trying to survive. And, and people will be like going to the pawn shop, right, at that time and just like selling what they have to just have grain. And Joseph is the one in charge of distributing all the grain. And so Jacob sends all of his brothers to Joseph to like get food and they bring silver. And, and what we begin to see play in their encounters a couple of times, one, they don't recognize Joseph and Joseph does not tell them who he is. And what we see is we see this kind of mixed bag between Joseph and his brothers where he's very harsh with them and, and he's like very kind of rough and you can see like how siblings treat each other. He was like do that like when they've betrayed each other like he's acting like that. But then on the other hand he'll throw like a banquet for them and bring them in. And in other moments we see him like turning away and going into another room to just weep. Like right he's acting harsh on the outside but on the inside he's hurting and he's broken, he's living in this prison because there's unforgiveness in his life. He's been through so much, and yet here he, and he's been lifted up so much out of the miry clay, but then he's still in prison. And so they go back home, and long story short, he'll, he'll try to like just torture them mentally by like making them believe that they have stolen something from him. It, it's a, a crazy scenario, but they come back in the very end of Genesis chapter 50, they come back and, and Joseph just can't handle it anymore. He's weeping and, and he just reveals who he is to his brothers. And they're scared to death. They're scared to death. You have this power now. You have food. We can't survive. We've come back now for the second time. And, and they're scared to death. And they're like, hey, hey, we'll be your slaves now. We sold you into slavery, but we would just be fine to just be your slaves if you'll just like not kill us. And he, he says this phrase in Genesis chapter 50. He says, who am I? I'm, am I now in the place of God? See, what you meant for harm, God intended for good. And so he began to show mercy on their life. Something happened in there in which he got to a place of purity and heart in which the prison walls were able to come down and he was able to live out the rest of his years with purity of heart. That's all we hear about Joseph. The next verse says, and Joseph lived to 110 years old and he died. That's God gave us this whole story in this early part of his life and we didn't need to know anything else that happened because this was a breakthrough. This is the prison walls came down not only for them, but the brothers were now in the light. The brothers were able to receive mercy and, and move into uh, being a part of the lineage that is blessed. 
And so all that being said, I want to share a few things with that as our backdrop, with that story, because I, I think we're going to begin to connect with it more and more um, and, and just give you a few thoughts on if we are to be a people who are pure in heart. And, and each one of these Beatitudes is a calling for all of us to live and to embody these. And they're all kind of building upon one another, but yet they're, they're all working individually too in our life. So I want to give you a few thoughts on if we're going to pure, be pure in heart and be a people who are merciful. Because our, our world needs mercy. There's a lot of people in prison. There's a lot of people in this room right now. You're physically free, but spiritually you're, you're in chains. And it may not be who you think it is. It, it may be the ones who are cleaned up, living second in the palace. It, it, it was some of us were living in a prison, and God wants to set us free and be able to show that mercy to others that they too may be free. Let me give you a few thoughts on this. First is we've got to recognize and repent of sin. I feel like over the past year and a half, I've preached on repentance more than I ever have in my ministry. And it's, I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. It's recognizing and repenting of our sin. You know, often when there's a situation in which we want to be merciful, like think about for Joseph, he felt very justified in his anger towards his brothers, right? Everybody would be like, yeah, I would be mad too. Yeah, I would be like doing, and if we think about our own individual relationships with our spouse or our boss or our small group leader or people on our team at work or whatever it is, oftentimes we compare our purity of heart to their purity of heart, Right? Well, they did me like this, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that, right? And, and, we just like, and we think that we're good, and we think that we're fine. But what I have to let you know is that our standard for purity of heart is not other people. It's the holiness of God, right? And so if, I, if I might, I'm just comparing myself to others, well, sometimes that's a very low bar. And so you may be like a half step up from complete debauchery and like, what, like wickedness, but that's no good. It's the holiness of God that's actually uh, our standard for purity. And, and let me help you break this down for a little bit. That means that we're never going to be perfectly pure in heart, okay? It's, and this is kind of the end of my message. It's a lifelong journey for us because what happens is we get more pure in heart than what we used to be. And then this year, we get a little bit closer. And what happens is we begin to see God. We get, begin to see his beauty. And what happened to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, is he says, verse 1, he says, And I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And he saw these cherubim there, and they were singing, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God, God Almighty. And we get to verse 5, and, and what he says in the presence of God, when he saw God, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. You see, the presence and the holiness of God, the closer he got, the more he realized that he's sinful, and he lives among a people who have unclean lips and unclean ways. And so we're not comparing ourselves to others. It's actually the holiness of God that's our standard. And the closer we get, the more we're actually going to be convicted. So the closer we get, it's going to reveal sinfulness in our life. And then, but we get to press in. And if you begin to see, it brings us back to that poverty in spirit, right? 
And then from there, we mourn over our sin, and then God comforts us and strengthens us, and then we know what it means to be meek. So we've got this humility, but now we've got strength because God has comforted us too, and so we understand strength under control, and, and, and we, we just fall more in love with Jesus, and we, we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness like we talked about last week, and then we begin to show mercy and receive God's mercy all over again. You see how there's just a flow and a cascade of this message that Jesus is giving us. And, but that, that's not all we need to know about recognizing and repenting of our sin is that it will convict us. And repentance is, is not just being, hey, I'm sorry, but it's, it's turning away from those actions. It's turning away from that sin. The second thing we, we need to know about recognizing and repenting of sin is that it's actually a gateway for us to receive mercy and to give mercy. It's a gateway for us to give mercy and receive mercy. And it starts with receiving it. Jesus' message here is, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. But we see over and over again, God gives his mercy first. Like we love because he first loved us, right? And so we, we've got to remember this truth that it's a, it's a gateway for us to receive it. Because you can't, you can't receive something you don't think you need. You won't receive something you don't think you need. And this is a problem with a lot of Christians today, those who have been walking with Jesus more than a minute, right? A little bit down the road. We begin to get confident. We kind of, remember, we kind of forget when we were in the miry clay, like Joseph did many years later, that everything on the outside starts looking fine, but inside it's not. It's not. You know, when you get those packages, like you see Amazon, like they throw the package to the door, right? You've seen all those things. And they just literally throw some things like from 20 feet away. But things of value, right? They have to have a signature. They have to be signed for it. And the mercy of God must be received in our life, not just once at salvation, but it must be received on a regular basis. A regular basis. Um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, don't judge or you too are going to be judged. The same measure that you judge, you are going to be judged. And so some of us, we're storing up a lot of judgment for ourselves, according to Jesus. And we may look at that and look at that in an eternal um, uh, perspective, and we should. I think so much of that judgment is now in our life. Like as I was judging people, I was actually living some of that judgment right then. I was living isolated. I was lonely. I was angry. I was unhappy. I was not living in his joy, in his peace. So I was living some of that judgment already. And it's just a foretaste of the judgment that um, is to come. And so we need to be very careful. Jesus goes on to say, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you miss the giant log in your own eye? You've heard, you've heard this one before. It's become pop culture. In fact, you scroll down a few verses to I think it's verse 11 or verse 12, verse 12. And, and Jesus says, I say to you, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's one of the first things we teach our kids. And yet sometimes it's so hard to live that out as adults. The following verse, verse 13, Jesus says, enter the narrow gate. Jesus is keeping it real. Like, this ain't easy. It is small. It's not like all things go, all paths lead to, to, to heaven, right? Like our culture demands and cries out for. Jesus said, it is a narrow path. And it's not just in salvation. It's in the walk of salvation, living that out, discipleship. That it's narrow. It's following Jesus. It's not like I'm going to pick and choose. And I don't really like this idea of mercy, right? People have been too rough to me. People run over you. No, no. Jesus said, that's a narrow gate but we got to enter through it. This is what discipleship means to die to our flesh. 
and to follow him. So this is the first thing we, we need to begin to grapple with. And, and, and before we, we move on from that, I, I would just kind of give us this one to kind of help gauge where we're at in this. If, if we find ourselves, when we're listening to a message such as this, and we're thinking, um, I hope so-and-so hears this, right? I hope she's listening, right? I hope so-and-so is watching online today. If we're thinking that, you're in prison. You're in prison. And I don't know how many bricks are up, but I know that God's mercy receiving it will begin to knock those down so the, those walls can come down. And all of a sudden, you can't, you're not going to be lonely anymore. You're not going to resent people anymore. You can learn to have the joy of the Lord once again. And I'm so grateful for how he's knocked that wall down. But let me tell you, the enemy will look for every opportunity to start throwing one of those there. And he'll just shine a spotlight, right? Because none of us are perfect. He'll shine a spotlight on somebody's stuff just so I'm looking at it. And I just kind of like, what is that? What is that? And then I do it. And then all of a sudden, I don't even realize I'm staring at their stuff and I'm building bricks, putting that wall right back up. I got to move on. All right. Second thing, we, we, have, to, we have to understand and participate in, in the transformational process of God, which is from the inside out. This is the way God does it. It's not from the outside in. The reality is that most of us, the vast majority of us, what is natural to us when we are saying, I want more of God in my life, I want his plan for my life, the first place we go is all the things we need to do to be a Christian or so that people will think that we've got our act together. Some of us, before you walked in the room today, it was a battle because you're worried about what other people are going to say about you, about the way you look, uh, about your past, and vast majority of people have no idea anything about you, right? But it's a, it's a messaging that I've got outside in, and we work, and we work, and we work, and we try to do all these things. But the, the process of God of transformation in our life is not outside in, it's inside out. And so we've got to be purified internally and externally. The externally is going to come, but this is what Jesus really you know, Jesus was so meek and, and so humble. And there's some things, though, that at times it seemed that it drew, Jesus had to just speak his mind, especially when it came to teachers of the law, Pharisees. And the Matthew chapter 23, if you just want to see Jesus kind of like over it, where Isaiah was saying, woe is me, Jesus is looking to leaders, Pharisees, and he says, woe are, is to you, Pharisees, you he calls them hypocrites so many times. He, he calls them a brood of vipers. Like he's just, Jesus is doing some name calling to these leaders because he's trying to get a message into their spirit. He says, later on, he says, you clean the outside of the cup, but you don't clean the inside of the cup. Like you took your shower this morning, but you didn't pray. God, forgive me of my sins. There's probably not a day that goes by that you don't brush your teeth, but how many days go by and when you say, God, would you clean, create a clean heart in me? I, I know, and, and the reality that I just, we've, we've all been here. We've all been here. It, I think there's almost something just in our flesh that just moves us here first, but it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that flips it upside down. And so when Jesus comes to declare these things, he's saying, this is the way of my kingdom, not as you are born into, but what you are, will be going into, which is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
So we got to go from the internal to the external. This is the way that, that God does it. And so for all of us worried about trying to fix your life, like just open your heart and let God do something new and fresh in your spirit. And all of a sudden, because that too is a prison wall. It's, it's legalism trying to, to perform these works, but the reality is that the external will follow that. Jesus says so. The word hypocrite literally means like one who like plays on a stage. It came from Greek theater. And I, the one passage that just used to just, you know, really get my brain just wound up a little bit was when Jesus curses the fig tree. Did anybody ever see that? I'm like, what did the fig tree do to you? Like, it's just a fig tree. And the scripture literally says, it was not the season for figs. Jesus, why are you cursing a fig tree when it wasn't even seasoned for figs? And I'm just frustrated. And, and I began to just look at this for years. And then I finally saw it. And it had to do with, because the tree looked like it was fruitful. It wasn't the season. God wasn't mad because there wasn't fruit on the tree. He was mad that there was an appearance of, of fruit like it was the season when it wasn't. There was leaves all over it, and then Jesus cursed the fig tree. Let's do it from the inside out. That's the way that God does it. Let's be real. And so this, this idea of inside out is not just in purity of spirit, but when it comes to mercy too, we are to be merciful in spirit and in deed. Right? Faith and works are working hand in hand. God's doing it from the inside, and it's going to flow outside. So we must be merciful in spirit and in truth. You see, our spirit, uh, mercy is actually, it's not only a gift, but it's also a fruit in our life. Some of us actually have a unique gift, a spiritual gift of mercy. Maybe it's your spouse, or may, may, maybe it's a friend you know that they have this in spades, and, and they just forgive people so easily, right? They just, they just don't harbor things. I'm not, not talking about sweeping it under the rug. I'm talking about legitimately, they forgive people. They, they walk through the world, and they ache at everything they see in, that's happening in the world. It actually feels miserable at times because everything that God means for good, the enemy is going to try to make it into a curse. So if you have that gift, guard it, guard it because the enemy is going to try to turn it into a curse. And so it's, it's a gift in our life. So I don't have time to go too far into that, but just know some of us have it in spades, but all of us should be producing this more and more. It, it, it should be growing in our life. Mercy is, is a um, spiritual gift um, but it's also a fruit that's going to come out of being with Jesus. The more with Jesus, the more we see him, the more it's going to begin to flow out of our life. The more we've received it, the more we're going to be able to offer it. So in this idea of being merciful in spirit and deed, I want to give you some practical things because I know that's tough. Uh, I know it's tough. And one of the tough things with it is that we don't always get it back. Um, we're merciful and we hope that, okay, that's going to turn things around and sometimes, uh, hopefully it's going to break down their prison walls because now I've done this and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's not that mercy has failed us. They haven't received that mercy. They haven't signed for that package. But we've got to look at how is mercy flowing from the inside and to the external deed. So let me, let me just give you some practical things here, just because some of you are like, hey, I need you to break it down for me. Anybody like that? Like, I need you to break it down for me. Good message, Pastor. Help me out. I just threw up nine of these, and I'll let you fill in the tenth one for your own life. All right, we got to give people a second chance. Come on, we, we live in a cancel culture today, and I don't care what it's like out there. It better not be like that in here, because Jesus called us to be people of mercy. 
And here's what, here's what I found in my own life. If you'll be, build a bed of mercy and grace, at some point you're going to have to fall on it. And if you don't, as Jesus said, if you judge, it's going to come right back to you. And so we got to receive that in our own life and begin to give people a second chance. I, I think we need to assume the best in people. I know most of us, we, we've been through much. We've been through too much to assume the best in people. We assume the worst. We can assume the best without being naive, okay? We, we can, again, meekness is strength under control. It's not being run over, but it's also not running others over. So let's assume the best in people. Being patient with people, right? It's one thing to be patient with traffic. It's another thing to be patient with people, right? It's, a, it's another thing. Be patient with your quirks. Be patient with where they are in the process of discipleship. Be patient with, um, with their personality. Be patient with their shortcomings. The scripture, Galatians 6.2, says bear with one another's burdens. It says bear your own burdens a few verses later. <laughs> like, you got to pull your own weight here too. You got to care and like push. But we got to bear one another's burdens. Uh, serve those weaker and poor. Always be looking around. There's always somebody who's not, you know, two days behind you in the faith process. You know, a few dollar bills behind you uh, in, in life. Um, comfort those who mourn. Befriend the lonely. Work to restore brokenness and broken relationships. Show compassion to the outwardly sinful. Yeah. Show compassion to the outwardly sinful. What did, what did Jesus do to the woman caught red-handed in adultery, right? He said, he didn't say, I condone you. It's all good. No, no, no. He said, I don't condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Recognize your sin, repent from it, turn from it, and turn away from it. That's what he said. And so we've got to be willing to do that and not judge each other in the process. When we do that, don't expect much from others. Let those bricks down. I'm not saying don't have expectations in your life. I'm saying have humility and mercy. That I'm, I'm not just trying to get something from you. I, I'm actually setting you free of that and setting my, myself of that by showing mercy to you. And maybe you need to fill in number 10 today for yourself. What's the situation right now that, that mercy needs to be applied? Because see, in Joseph's life, God, God was ready to break down these prison walls, but something had to happen and I haven't really talked about this, and I don't know, I really don't know, I'm li literally speculating, but something happened between chapter 49 and chapter 50, and the only thing that we really get in there is that Joseph went to bury his, his father, Jacob. And so my best guess here is he began to think about the blessing that was bestowed upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God's plan and God's promise for their future. And how his dad walked with a limp as he stood over his dead father's body and his, you know, casket or whatever it was. And he's standing there and something begins to break in his life. Something, that resentment and unforgiveness, he says, it's not, it's not worth it. And so he's able to say, who am I? My God, I'm not going to judge you guys. I'm going to bless you. You meant it for my harm. God's using it for good now because now I'm providing for people. And this is going to begin to mean the fulfillment of the promise of God of reaching the nations and, and, and having resources here for Israel in this time. And so we need to, to settle into this, um, this, this rhythm with God for the rest of our life. And that's the last point, is we need to make spiritual renewal 
a part of our life for the rest of our life. I didn't need mercy from God just one time. I need it every single day. I think if we look at the text um, in, when it comes to David, the life of David, Scripture calls him a man after God's own heart. He was an adulterer and a murderer. Um, and at times we can look on him like, well, God was so merciful to him. But we also see in David's life that he was merciful to others. Like Saul was coming after him and he showed him mercy time and time again. We see Absalom coming after him and wanting his throne and he showed him mercy over and over again. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Not just one time, over and over again. And I just want to remind somebody who feels like, hey, that's so painful. Hey, I want you to know how rich you are in mercy because God is rich in mercy. Lamentations 3.23 just reminds us, like you don't just have mercy for today in the moment, it's actually wait on you tomorrow when you wake up, before you open your mouth and put your foot in your mouth, before you go back to the vomit that you had the night before, before you find yourself caught back in the sin that's had a hold of you, God's mercy is waiting for you. And so it's, it's free, you've got it in spades for the future, so why would we be so cheap with it today? There's plenty in the bank waiting for us tomorrow. Be free with his mercy. But we must make spiritual renewal. And when we look at, at, at um, this lifelong pursuit for, for Joseph, something happened there, and he was able to get to a place of purity in heart. And that's the message that Jesus wanted us to get today. But what happens for many of us, and what happened for Joseph, is, is things get good on the outside, and we grow in maturity, but we don't grow in purity. And we've got to grow in maturity. We've got to choose to grow in, in purity as we grow in maturity. Oftentimes, our hearts get hard towards people because offense takes place, misunderstanding takes place. Things get in the way. And we're growing in maturity, right? We've got knowledge of the word, but it's just puffed us up. We must grow in purity of heart as time goes on. And I think that um, Psalm chapter 51, David lays it out for us pretty well. When he, in reflection of his own sins, he said, have mercy on me, O God. And verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit, a right spirit, a faithful spirit in me. We need to come back to that place where every day I'm going to pray, God, create a clean heart in me. God, would you get me back to that place where I once was? And, and not just where I once was, but where you're taking me, God. Would you draw me closer? And it ends up being this lifelong journey because the closer we get, the more we get to Jesus, the more we see him, the more we realize, man, we're sinful. And don't let that, that bum you out. Just keep pursuing God and keep saying, woe is me, and let him lead us deeper and deeper into the truth of his word. You hear me today? Uh, we're going to close out here, um, but I want to ask you to stand, and I want to talk to you for just a, one more moment, and the band's going to lead us in a song that just says, hey, I want to be like Jesus. I, I want to I live and show mercy and the love of God like he has shown so graciously to me. I don't know who it is or what it is in your life right now, that if we're really honest with ourselves, while we've been looking at them, there's been something happening in our heart. While we've been looking at the things going on in their prison cell, we've got an infestation in our own heart. But if, if we'll humble ourselves today, as we worship and as we pray, 
God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And I just want to call us back to recognizing and repenting of our sin, bringing it back to, to that place. And I believe that God's going to help us knock down those walls, begin to, to, to move into a place so that not only we can be set free, but, but then they can be set free too, so that we can live from that place of freedom. I think some of it, we spend so much time just covering our sin, so much time just saying, no, that's for somebody else. No, 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 it's, it's for us. It's for all of us. Um, maybe you didn't sell your brother into slavery. Maybe that didn't happen to you, but, but there's something there with each one of us, and God wants to get us to a place of purity in heart and mercy so that can set others free too. We pray with me today. God, all across this room, there's people in hundreds of different places, on the, online and in this. We're in so many different places right now. We've got different walls in our life, different stories that we've lived out, different from Joseph, different from Pastor Kyle. It's, it's different. God, and I pray right now that uh, we would just stand before you saying, have mercy on me. God, give us, help us to have this daily rhythm, this daily participation of repenting to you and saying, create a clean heart in me. I just want to ask you with every head bowed and, and eye closed today, hey, if you'll just be honest and say, hey, I've never... Maybe it was a long time ago, but you'll just say, hey, eyes closed in the house. I, I, I need to repent from my sin. Would you just lift your hand just real quick? Just throw it up real quick. Say, I need to repent of sin. Thank you. You can slip it down. If you'll be honest with me today and you say, hey, I, I've been trying to do this outside in and not inside out and I need God to help me with it, will you just slip your hand up? Say, I've been doing this the other way. Come on, will you just slip your hand up real quick? Say, I've been doing this backwards. I need, I need God to bring me freedom, knock these walls down, help me from the inside out. Amen, put your foot, put your, uh, foot, foot down, put your hand down. Put your foot down, you're, you're awesome. Um, and if you just say, hey, I, I need to get in this rhythm, it, I need to get in this rhythm of just praying, God, create a clean heart in me. And that's just, you need to get in some rhythm of just praying and seeing God's mercy in your own life. Would you raise your hand? Just let me know where you're at today. Yeah, a lot of us there. Amen, thank you. Father, you see hands, you see hearts, you look beyond what we see. God, I pray that in these next few moments, we would not be afraid to move into your presence and encounter the holiness of our God. Because it's there that we can see you. We can see your face, God. We can see you working in our life in this current day. And I pray in these next few moments that we would humble ourselves and come to you and receive your mercy, that we may be healed, we may be set free. And we might go out and fulfill the message of Jesus. As he quoted the prophet and said, you've come to set the captive free and open the blinded eye, God. May we participate in that mission, the kingdom cause of showing mercy but doing so with a pure heart. We love you today, Jesus. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, 
Fathom Beyond Sunday. And there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.